about this treasure in heaven, incorruptible, undefiled, does not fade away. See, God wants us to make eternal investments in things that are truly valuable. Things like a Christ-like character, hope, love, faith, that the message of Jesus would permeate our culture and the entire globe. The knowledge of Jesus, prayer, Some kids can spend hours digging in the dirt. When they find something, regardless if it's a dirty coin or a broken action figure, it's a big deal. They value their found treasure. Today, Pastor Daniel shares that everyone has things they value, some treasures they hold dear. As you'll learn, God wants you to seek after treasures that can't be lost or devalued. He wants you to invest in eternal things, things that really matter. Here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 6 as he begins his message, Treasuring. Pastor Bill did, I would say, a masterful job of breaking open the first 18 verses of Matthew chapter 6. And he was talking about how that whole section is about glorifying God, about making much of God. And as he did it, he focused us in on really the three main areas of Jewish piety in that day. And those three areas were charitable deeds or charitable giving, praying, and fasting. And one of the main points of each one of those ways of living was to make sure that we did these things in a way that was not ostentatious. And that's a big word to say that they're on display. And if you think about the way most people live out their faith, whatever it may be, everybody does it in a very public way. Like, I want to show you how truly spiritual I am. We see this in church sometimes when it comes time to bring your Bible to church, you go find the biggest Bible you can. You know, like you need a wheelbarrow to get that study Bible in. You know, and you need like a whole pew to yourself so that you can open up this monstrous study Bible. And people think that if I bring the biggest Bible to church, obviously I'm the most spiritual guy in the room. You know, and a lot of us function that way where we want everyone to know that we're the real deal, right? That this is something that's really serious for us. And it's fascinating that Jesus makes a big point in each of these things to saying, listen, I want you to do that thing in secret. Why does Jesus make a big deal about it? Because the only person that matters in things of spirituality is the Spirit of God. And God sees everything. You can't do something for other people, for God, in such a way that God misses it. So the only person that it really matters who sees what is going on is God himself. But most often, and when I grew up, they called this being a poser. Being a poser is when you do something so that everyone thinks that you can do it, but you really don't. When I was younger, when skateboarding came in, you know, everybody had a skateboard. So everyone carried around a skateboard, but only a few guys could actually drop in on a ramp. 
you know? And I was one of the guys, I remember I tried to drop in on a ramp one time. I went down, the board went out, my back hit the ramp, and I said, you know what, thanks anyway. But I still carried that skateboard around. And a lot of people do their spirituality the same way. It's all show, but there's really nothing to back it up. And so Jesus makes a point to say, listen, when you do your giving, your charitable deeds, do it in secret. When you pray, do it in secret. When you fast, do it in secret. Don't let anybody know. Now, what's fascinating to me is, and I've been reading the Bible now for about 13 years, studying it, and it's always amazing to me that no matter how much I read it, Jesus speaking 2,000 years ago to a completely different culture is ultra-relevant for me today. And that always is astounding to me. Because so much of things that you write or things that people say are very specific to a culture. But Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mountain and other places in the Gospels, is dealing with the reality of what it means to be human. And what we're going to study today is just as relevant now as it was 2,000 years ago when Jesus saw it. Now, let me set the stage for you. In each one of these things, charitable giving, praying, and fasting, Jesus keeps saying, do it in secret. But he doesn't stop there. He says, do it in secret, and the Father will reward you openly. In each one of them, look at it. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 4, speaking of charitable giving, it says, do it in secret, and God will reward you openly. When speaking of praying in verse 6, it says, pray to your father who is in a secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Speaking about fasting in verse 18, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, I don't know about you, but when you think about doing something and getting an open reward, and you see it three times, every person in every generation always thinks about this the same way. We think about it in material rewards, material blessings. And it's interesting that we do this thing in secret God sees, he's going to reward us openly. So most people think, well, listen, Lord, I'm going to give you my tithe, and then you're going to give me a million bucks. Right? I'm going to do this, God, and you're going to bless me with more than I can imagine. And most of us think about life that way. And what's interesting is, is that Jesus is going to be teaching us today about what it means to treasure, about what wealth is all about. Now, I think this message is important for a couple of reasons. First, this message is important because there is a style of Christianity that people call the prosperity gospel. And I would say that that's no gospel at all. The prosperity gospel goes something like this. God is a king. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you're going to live like a king. So God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's the prosperity gospel. And what's interesting is the only person who gets wealthy in the prosperity gospel is the shyster who's standing up on stage telling you that you'll get wealthy if you give money to the ministry. That is the truth, I believe. And that guy always, he's got a nice car He's got a nice suit on. He's normally got a pretty bad hairdo, but that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> See, the prosperity gospel, know what it is? The prosperity gospel is good old-fashioned American greed with a veneer of Jesus. That's what it is. And what's the most tragic is that if you go to the developing countries, like when I've traveled in India, 
The prosperity gospel is huge there because they are so impoverished. They're living on a dollar, two dollars a day. And you go, oh, you believe in Jesus, you're going to be rich. You're going to live in a huge house. And they say, yes. See, so that's one side. of The other side of the coin is what you can call the poverty gospel. And this can only be invented by young, white, middle-class, college-educated kids who in reaction to the prosperity gospel now say, well, now it's spiritual to be poor. And the only people who can come up with that is college-educated white guys. It's an amazing thing. There's a whole group, whole movement that says you are spiritual if you're poor. Now, I want to tell you this. Money is morally neutral. Money is morally neutral. Having it or not, money has no intrinsic moral definition to it. The issue with money and materialism and possessions, it all exists inside of us. Money in itself is morally neutral. So Jesus doesn't say, if you're spiritual, you'll be really wealthy, or if you're spiritual, you'll be totally poor. He doesn't get into any of that. It all boils down to what is inside of us. And Jesus wants to focus us on that. So there's the prosperity gospel, the poverty gospel. We also live in the wealthiest country in the world, and we're in the midst of a protracted recession. Now, with that, I got handed this from Charisma Magazine. It said this, in a down economy, and this was May 2012 in Charisma Magazine, in a down economy, many Americans are searching for advice on how to manage their finances. But whose advice do they trust? Now, check this out. 50% willing to take advice from Donald Trump. The Don, as we like to call him. 32% are willing to take advice from the Bible. Donald Trump's got a higher percentage than the scriptures. 10% are willing to take advice from Kim Kardashian. And if you don't know who that is, you're not missing much. I don't want to get on a side tangent, but I'm always impressed by people who are popular, who you don't really know what they do. That's just an amazing thing. Only in America can you not do anything, really, and be popular. I just, I don't get that. But that's another discussion. Now listen to this, and this is the worst one. 86% don't follow what the Bible says about money. 86%. And guess what? That means nine out of 10 of you don't follow what the Bible says about money. That's what it means. This is why what Jesus is gonna talk to us about today is very important. Very important. Okay, so my prayer is that for each one of us, we just be willing to let Jesus speak to us. Just to speak to us. So let's just jump right in. In verse 19 of Matthew chapter 6, it says this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy or where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So beginning in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. First and foremost, the issue is our hearts. The issue is our hearts. When dealing with money, wealth, the issue is not the wealth or lack thereof, the money or lack thereof. The issue is our hearts. 
As I've said already, it begins internally. So this is a heart thing. It's been said that at the heart of the law is the law of the heart. So God wants to expose what's in our hearts. It's a heart issue. Now, in verse 19, Jesus begins with what you can call a negative commandment. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Don't lay up treasures on earth where moth or rust can destroy or where thieves can break in and steal. Now, what does that mean? If you think about it, moth and rust, that is the natural way something can lose its value. Where thieves can break in and steal, that's the human way we can lose value. Let me give you examples of both. When I was younger, when it was time to get my very first car, I bought myself a 1973 Carmen Ghia Volkswagen. It was cool. I keep threatening that I'm going to get another one. I've been dying for an old Volkswagen Squareback, the old wagons. Those things are so cool. But so imagine this. Now, I'm 17 years old, as handsome as I am today. Why are you guys laughing? Right? And I got this orange Volkswagen. Right? Now, back in the day, this is when hip-hop became first popular, really popular. And all my friends had those big sound systems where you can hear them rumbling down the street. So I had this old orange Volkswagen, very cool looking. And I'm like, I'm going to get me a sound system in it. So whereas my friends, they had like that hard hip-hop, that heavy bass coming out, I had Pink Floyd coming out of that thing. It's like hearing Dark Side of the Moon from like five miles away. It's like that slow, warm, muffler Volkswagen sound, and then, you know, Dark Side of the Moon. And it, it was cool, and I had this great Volkswagen stickers. I mean, it's very Portlandish anyway, but I was in New Jersey, you know. It had all these great stickers on it, right? It's a great car, super cool. You always knew when I showed up. And I remember, this was back in the day when a gallon of gasoline was 89 cents. I could fill up my Carmen Ghia for five bucks and drive all week. It was good times, right? And I remember, this car was just like, it's who I was. It's like, I'm the man in this car. And I remember I used to wash it once a week. And I used to pop off the little rims, which were chrome. And I would spray paint black, the hubcap. And so that chrome popped. Oh, it's... So nice. And I remember one day I was washing the car and on the driver's side, rear wheel well, all of a sudden I noticed it. The paint popped out a little bit. Now back in New Jersey where I was from, when you had those old Volkswagens, they throw all that salt down on the road to try and break the ice up in the wintertime. That would get underneath the paint. What would it do? It'd start to rust the body. And you knew when you got that little pop, those of you guys who work on cars, you got the little pop in your paint, you know what it means. It means all, your car's starting to rust. See, anything that nature can destroy, that's a treasure on earth. I had a very cool car. I loved it. I thought I was the man in it, and I think I may have been, actually, you know. But the reality is, is that nature was devaluing my car. And right as that rust popped, I knew what it meant. My car's days of looking nice was numbered. So when it says moth or rust can destroy, what is the natural way that it can be devalued? Now, where thieves break in and steal. This is the human way of devaluing something. This means a lot to us because a lot of people are upset with major banks. Nobody was upset when they were making money 10% hand over fist on their 401ks. But after everything went on in the economy, now everyone's mad at the banks. 
It was great when we were making money, but now that we're losing money, it's your fault, right? Now, isn't that for hypocrisy? But that's a whole other discussion. Now, we have to ask ourselves this question. Is our heart's treasure in things that either nature can devalue or that humans can devalue? That's how you know if your heart is bent on treasures on the earth. That's how you know. Can the course of nature ruin your treasure or can a human ruin your treasure? That's how you know. Jesus says, do not lay up those things. But instead, he says, lay up treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy nor where thieves can break in and steal. What is a treasure in heaven? It's any temporal activity that has eternal consequences. It's any activity we can do in the here and now that has eternal consequences. As I like to say, and my best piece of investment advice for you all is that the economy of God's kingdom is always in a bull market. The economy of God's kingdom is always in a bull market. The greatest investment any of us can ever make is in the work of God in people's lives. That is the best investment. Amen. It's the best investment. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. It says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. See, Peter is talking about this treasure in heaven, incorruptible, undefiled, does not fade away. See, God wants us to make eternal investments in things that are truly valuable. Things like a Christ-like character, hope, love, faith, that the message of Jesus would permeate our culture and the entire globe. The knowledge of Jesus, prayer, witnessing. These are the treasures in heaven that nobody can take away from you. See, and then Jesus, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, this is where it boils down to. Because the issue is our hearts, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. It's interesting that Jesus is not so much concerned with our wealth as he is with our loyalty. It's a loyalty issue. Where is your treasure today? See, whatever your heart's treasure is, you will be transformed into whatever it is. If acceptance is your treasure, you're going to spend all your life trying to make people accept you. If it's money, you're going to spend all your time, all your energy to do that. We become consumed by that for which we worship. All of us do. Jesus wants our loyalty. That's what he wants. So the issue is within our hearts. Now from there, look at what he says in verse 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. 
Now, Jesus just says, lay up treasures in heaven, right? And then he closes that section with, you can't serve two masters. So you can't serve God and mammon is wealth personified. And then in between, he has this weird thing about the lamp of the body is the eye, right? And most people, when they read it, they're like, Jesus is jumping all over the place. Like, what's he talking about now? Let me explain this to you, because this reality that the lamp of the body is the eye, it's very specific to Jewish culture to understand what this is. Now think about it. The eye connects the outside world with your inner life. That's what it is. The eye is the primary bridge between the outside world and what goes on inside your heart. For most of us, if you have the ability to see, which most people do, that is the primary way. Sure, we use our ears. Sure, we use our senses, our tastes. But the eye is the primary bridge. Now, for somebody who doesn't have the gift of sight, the other senses get heightened. But primarily, the eye is the bridge between what is outside us and what is inside us. Okay? So when Jesus says, the lamp of the body is the eye, if therefore the eye is good, the whole body will be full of light. He's saying, look, The eye gate is the bridge between the outside world and what's going on inside. And if that eye is good, then your life will be light. Walking in the light as he is in the light. But then he says, if your eye is evil. Now, this is where it gets unique. Because this idea of the evil eye, you find it a number of places in the Old Testament. If you look at places like Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 9 to 11. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 22. You read things like, this is Proverbs 28, 22. A man with an evil eye hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. A man with an evil eye hastens after riches. Listen to Deuteronomy 15, verse 9. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. He cried out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. In the Old Testament, the evil eye, it's a Hebraism. It's the way they talked about being selfish, being stingy. Jesus picks up on this in Matthew chapter 20. Do you remember the parable where Jesus talks about a man who is a, owns a vineyard, and it comes time for harvest, and he goes out in the morning, and he invites people to come work in his vineyard. He's like, I'll pay you a denarius. Then a couple hours later he goes, he gets more and he gets more. And then at the very end of the day, he gets some people said, listen, come and work for me and I'll pay you. And when it came time to pay up, he started with the people who only been working an hour and he gave them the same amount as the people who worked all day. Do you remember that parable in Matthew 20? Jesus is real. We are so glad you joined us today as Pastor Daniel shared that Jesus isn't as concerned with your wealth as he is with your loyalty. He knows that your heart resides in what you value. Because of this, Jesus wants your affections and desires to be for things that are lasting and that will draw you closer to him. And when you invest in eternal things, your heart, thus your perspective, will be filled with God's light. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. 
You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page. That website again is JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will explain that generosity is key in living the life God has called you to. You'll discover that this way of life isn't defined by self-seeking and hoarding with few generous moments to throw in. No, it's just the opposite. As you'll see, this requires you to trust that Jesus is real and is big enough to give you what you need so that you can live a life marked by radical generosity. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Mission Growing. Until then, may God bless.